0: Welcome to Season 3 of Spotless, Breaking the Boundaries of Television, where creative, technology, and television converge. Brought to you by Two Media Trailblazers, Triple Lift, and Advertising Week, Spotless brings you conversations with the industry's boldest and most inspiring voices. I'm your host, Alexis Roth, and with me today is Kim Kelleher, President, Commercial Revenue and Partnerships at AMC Networks. Kim, welcome, and thank you for joining us for season three of Spotless. Thank you so much for having us. I'm thrilled to be on, Alexis. It's great to meet you. This is really exciting um, for us as well. For starters, your career is incredibly impressive. Can you tell us about your path to AMC? <laughs> sure. I'd love to. I
1: think that it would best be described by saying it's been it's been a wandering road. I, I absolutely love the media industry at the widest definition of, and I've worked in many, many corners of. So I've spent a a huge amount of my career or, or a large amount of the last 28 years in publishing. I've had several stints in digital media. And then I found myself three years ago in this wonderful world of television, so I feel like the the combination of all those experiences has given me some interesting and perhaps different perspective. And uh, having been having been in
0: managerial roles across so many different uh, the distributions, it's it's always exciting to enter into uh, a new industry and get to explore a, an entirely different an entirely different realm while bringing with you all of the experiences that you've had. Um, in the past, at this year's upfronts, AMC announced several new fast channels such as AMC and Espanol, All Black Gems, Shorts, and Cortos, and Overtime. Can you share some of the successes and some of the challenges behind launching these channels and expanding AMC's cross-platform offerings with digital, linear, and streaming options for brands?
1: Sure. We we have about three years ago we made the decision as a company to dive, kind of both feed in to the avod and fast space ctv and watching the viewership continue to shift or embrace or take part of that viewing opportunity was very exciting to us we don't own a platform of our own so our opportunity we saw was to take advantage of the partnerships we could establish with everyone else who did and i think it's brought us to a really fascinating point of partnership and collaboration in the larger industry. I think that, and we may talk about this later as well, but as part of what we just decided at that time was we were going to continue to put the viewer, the end viewer, at the center of our decision making in our distribution. So when when we were putting together the creative concepts behind our different channels, we wanted to make sure that they were reflective creatively and content-wise of something we know viewers who are familiar with AMC or IFC, Sundance TV, we TV, or BBCA, would would expect and not be disappointed. So we not only combined a lot of our library content and our best owned IP, but we also put a number of stunts of more recent content in those fast channel experiences as well in a limited way, which really kind of has delighted the viewer. And that strategy has worked well. We're up to actually 16, Fast Channels now, that uh, including four Spanish-language Fast Channels. Most of them are built from our own IP, but we are also dipping our toe into partnerships and representing IP from other content companies. We have a partnership with Overtime, which is a fantastic company that really super serves a young basketball enthusiast. And we are super excited to be introducing that to the fast environment this year. So what we're, we're really looking to expand our horizons and just fully embrace and give this burgeoning viewership, you know, something that really delights them. And, and keeps them coming back. And we, we really appreciate the partnerships we've been able to form with the platforms. And you know I feel like we're growing together. The one other thing I'd just say that is kind of interesting is being a content company without a platform, it does allow us to distribute across the larger um, industry. So many have developed or own their own platforms, and they keep their content within their own walls. You know, the reference to walled garden is, is overdone, but I'll I'll use it again. We have the opportunity of putting our channels across all, and and we do across many. We're on six platforms now. We're looking to expand that even this year, and I will say that from our vantage point, we're able to actually see the difference in the platforms, the different types of viewers the platforms engage and and the different levels of performance by channel across all these platforms. I think it gives us some insight that uh, that's pretty interesting and pretty telling about about the different points, the differences between each of the platforms as they continue to
0: emerge and grow absolutely and it's it seems like accessibility to the content is really a key theme here and not trying to, you know only the few can can have it, especially with these with these very specific new channels that embrace all types of viewers.
1: That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I feel like you know our we are we try to use our size as an advantage, but it also dictates the decisions that we make that will best serve our constituency. We, We create content for very specific audiences and we want to make sure that we continue to put it in places that they can all find and enjoy it.
0: So can you dive deeper into the strategic motivation behind this? Is this knowing that, you know, from a fast channel perspective that people will watch advertising to be able to enjoy your content from, from what, what point does it come from in terms of the strategy behind this very viewer first approach?
1: yeah i definitely i think advertising is going to stay a key part of it the the average load on most of the platforms seems to be coming in around 11 12 minutes which is significantly less it's a third less than what the current linear environment is i think that is a more enjoyable environment i also think obviously since these ads are dynamically served you have something that's more contextual and targeted so ideally it is serving that viewer or at least that household and and the composition of that household in a more targeted way than what television has historically done though i do think television is making a lot of advances on that side as well but you know but digital is digital and it's able to do a lot of things that we we are still working through in the linear inventory
0: so even the advertising approach from a programmatic perspective is viewer first as well
1: it is it is i think that you know we have a viewers first mentality we have a programmatic first mentality i think that if you can deliver programmatically you should our partners seem to appreciate that and i think i actually also think there are real business benefits to to embracing that more and more so as more of our inventory is able to be delivered programmatically, we are fully embracing that and bringing that to the upfront conversations, but also bringing that to all of our partners.
0: AMC is, is known for the quality of its content, but what is the uh, connective tissue, the common thread across the type of programming? There's you know, the hits like Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, which everybody who I know cannot get enough of. Is there a common thread across these series from the approach that they take and also what kind of content do you see performs the best and attracts the largest audiences?
1: Sure. We make it's, it's very simple. We make scripted drama for adults and, you know, I feel like, There's, there's many companies that are able to super serve every person in a household. That is not our intent. That is not what we focus on. We have been laser focused in, in in the 20 plus years that we've been in the content development business on just making great,
0: you know, great storytelling for adults. And what, what do we have to look forward to from AMC coming out next?
1: Well, in addition to the final season of the original Walking Dead franchise, which airs this fall, we, we recently bought the Anne Rice library and we are debuting with Interview with a Vampire and hugely excited that'll be coming out of The Walking Dead this fall, followed up quickly early next year by Mayfair Witches. And they are they are shot in in New Orleans, absolutely stunning, all star cast, and I think, I think we've got another big hit on our hands.
0: Amazing. So as you are expanding your content offerings, AMC is also expanding its palette of advanced ad formats by introducing uh, teal, P E A L. Could you expand on teal? What does it mean? What is the suite of products that it consists of, and why is this important for for AMC? Sure. Well, teal really it's it stands for technology
1: enabled audience led. And that's that's a philosophy that was built out of our viewers first strategy and what we also call our buyers first strategy, which we introduced two upfronts ago. And that is, the just to give you a quick definition on buyers first, it, it's really, instead of telling our buyers and our clients how they have to buy from us, it's us meeting them more than halfway and saying, tell us how you buy, we will meet you there. So it's it's really taking the onus out of the dictate of you're gonna do it this way to, hey, what works best for you and your clients and we'll meet you there. So that's the philosophy behind technology-enabled audience-led Teal. But the initial suite of products that we're introducing include shoppable, interactive, integrations, takeovers and then exclusives which is presenting content with limited commercial experiences. So, you know, I, not all of these are are new, but it is the first time we're able to activate these
0: formats in our original content. And the philosophy behind this again pushes towards the improved viewer experience, even if ads are part of the part of the content that they are done so in a way that feels much more organic and integrated with what they're watching and what their personal preferences are. That's exactly it. We really wanted to be, we wanted to be organic.
1: We want it to not be disruptive. We want it to be additive to the overall experience. I don't think, I don't think advertising needs to be disruptive. I actually think it can enhance the overall viewer experience. And I think, you know, shoppable, which we're we're so excited about, and I'm sure is close to your heart as well. But you know, is I I think that you can see we're at this really interesting inflection point on the innovation front where I actually anticipate consumers would and viewers would like to be able to do something that they haven't been able to do yet but they they're ready they're ready before the technology is ready so now we're just trying to close that gap along with partners like yourself and everyone else who's leaning into finally creating truly dynamic organic experiences
0: yeah, shoppable is close to my heart personally and professionally, so all of this excites me. And, and the content room, which is AMC's in-house branded content studio, is that does that work within conjunction with Teal? Is that another initiative that is I, I have a feeling is going towards the same intention of the right execution for the viewer?
1: The content room came out of really just a modernization of our creative services organization, where basically fully embracing the fact that everything needs to be custom. It really just the notion of off the shelf is is really quite antiquated now. People, our our marketing partners, our advertisers, they know what works and they need to do more of that. And if we can bring them custom ideas that help enhance that, all the better. And the content room is really a superb kind of SWAT team of of account executives and creative people that understand, you know, Every single conversation begins with a whiteboard with nothing on it. And we're going to, we're going to learn what the, what the marketer is trying to accomplish, where they really want to go and, and we're going to build from the ground up. And that is a very different relationship than we've traditionally had. And then that we still have where, you know, it's a basic demo and it's a basic buy. And those are all fine. I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from <laughs> working with us, working with us that way. But we're seeing more and more of our partners are really looking for that whiteboard moment. And let's let's build and create something together that, that really is going to have the ROI they're looking for. Not to mention, I do think we're finally starting to see a resurgence of of original content created by partners, you know, I, I, for those who have been around knocking around long enough, you saw everyone build an in-house agency and then dissemble the in-house agency. I, I think that we're now at a place where we're, we're seeing our creative services being sought out a lot more for
0: people, for our partners to, to create originals. And that's really exciting. And for anybody who knows AMC content, there is nothing basic about anything that comes out of your organization. So when you're doing this work with agencies and brands and coming up with the best strategy, what what are on those partners' checklists as they look to your team for ad innovation?
1: You know, what what we really see them wanting is access. And can they tap into the access we have through, stu- through our studio, the access to talent, the access to the audiences, the access to the engagement and the fandom that many of our franchises have developed. Because of the singularity of our focus creatively, on the studio side of things that we talked about earlier, we, the depth of relationship we have with our talent and with our production partners and with, with everyone who, the village it takes to create this kind of programming, we're able to bring that to the table. And I think that has really established the content room quickly. An example of that would be, I have a few examples, but most recently we created a, a series called Cooper's Bar with Ray Seahorn, Kim Wexler from Better Call Saul. And this is a passion project of hers that she had been kicking around for a while. And uh, we, it, it finally got to us and we said, let us try to go build that with you, but let us, let us bring in a sponsor to help offset or defray some of the cost. Bacardi was right there. And Cooper's Bar season one was a huge hit. Not to mention, if you haven't seen it, one of the funniest things I've watched in a very long time, like truly laugh out loud. (laughs) And, uh, and she's just fantastic. And she executive produced. So which was something she had really wanted to do as as an experience. And, you know, it just it was just a triple win. It was it was great for Bacardi. It was it was great for us putting muscle behind a project that that Ray wanted to do. And and the end result is it's great for the viewership because they had something mid-season between, between Better Call Saul's. It has nothing to do with Better Call Saul, I should caveat, it, it, for anyone who thinks, oh, I missed something. No, you didn't. It's its own standalone series of shorts, but definitely worth a watch. It'll make you laugh.
0: It's really like a one plus one plus one equals five kind of thing with, with these types of collaborations.
1: We did a similar thing. We're actually going into season four of bottomless brunch with coleman domingo coleman is the star of fear the walking dead and he is just a fantastic person and character larger than life character empathetic has just an incredible network of famous friends that he just calls friends and during the pandemic he reached out and just said hey you know, I have this idea for a show in a Zoom-like format, and it's me having a cocktail and creating some and making some brunch while talking to my fabulous friends about what's going on in the world. We took that out to the to the market, and Diageo signed on for season one, and they are still they are still our number one partner and sponsor of the series. And we're on season four. So that one has also been just a runaway
0: success, ticking all those boxes I mentioned before. Again, it just sounds, it sounds so organic. It sounds so straightforward, which is sometimes the route that you want to take is, is giving your audience what they're looking for with the partners internally and externally that you will work well with, that will bring, the best return on investment for everything. More content is always is always what people want. Speaking of more content, pretty much every major media company has its own streaming service or the word plus at the end of it, which gives consumers just endless options to choose from. What makes AMC different and stand out from the rest of these competitors in this, in this streaming service space?
1: Again, I think you'll hear there's definitely a reoccurring theme in this conversation, and that is we our route is not something for everyone. And we AMC plus is is more of a reflection of the AMC environment, epic, epic worlds, scripted dramas, you know, real, it's, I, I call it TV for TV lovers. <laughs> like, but it's my kind of TV. I don't know. It's, it's my kind of TV, but then, you know, then we, we have a vertical strategy. So if you are a horror fan, you are, and, and I don't know if you are, but if you are, you probably subscribe to shutter. If you don't subscribe to shutter, you're not a horror fan acorn with, with its, you know, British, murder mystery themed programming is is a huge huge fan favorite then we have all black which is an incredibly it's actually one of our fastest growing services it is a it it is targeted to it targets black audiences with content that is developed and produced by black talent in front of and behind the camera. And it is, it's authentic, it's real, and it's got a ton of variety and great programming and the reception has been fantastic. So again, it's it's a very vertical approach. So we're not something for everyone. If you characterize yourself as, you know, if you have a number of traits that are important to you or a number of hobbies that are important to you, I see it as almost enthusiast. And you're going to be drawn towards AMC and our portfolio of streaming services, super serving into that passion.
0: Absolutely. This is going to be a stretch where I'm going to go from one topic to another, but there's something that's so connected about the notion of these enthusiasts first channels and, and sets of programming that connects to a subject that I know is very important in your leadership style, which is that of empathy. And really they both kind of have this alignment of not everybody has to have the same interest. Not everything is for everybody, but everybody's voice should be heard. There is a place for everybody's uh, working style. There's a place for how we all operate. And it's fine. And it's wonderful that those should be embraced. Can you talk about whether whether or not I'm completely making up a connection there, but also about how the role that empathy does play in your leadership style and what it's been like to have been a leader in these last couple of years, especially that we've been more disconnected that, that we haven't been able to all be in the same room to have these important collaborative conversations?
1: I'm going to break that into a two-part answer, if that's okay. The first part is I'm going to talk about the advantage of being one of the smaller players in the larger entertainment space, in the larger television and entertainment space. When we are making decisions here at AMC, there aren't a thousand people on the Zoom or in the room, which is Truly, it's it's a gift in many ways. It means oftentimes we can make decisions because it's it's not bureaucratic. It's not political. It's it's really what do we think is right. And then there's a real practical aspect to having fewer people in the room where we can kind of look at each other and say, okay, we've now talked about everything that could go wrong. Do we still think we should do it? And if everyone nods yes, we do. And so we don't, we don't, we try not to get caught in the flywheel that I think so many of the larger organizations can get caught in, in moving forward and advancing. So that's been, it's been a real pleasure for me personally to work as a manager in an organization that conducts its business that way. That has allowed me, I actually think, to focus at an incredibly important time over the last two years, two and a half years, on becoming a better manager of my teams myself. So if you don't have to game play all day long, you can actually stop and find time to think about how you can try to create an environment that is inclusive, that it create warmth, create a safe space with so much out of our control, it's really nice to be able to come to work and know that it is a friendly place that has your back and wants you to succeed and is willing to get you through other things to make sure you do. And, and I think that, you know, my organization is not small, but it is 200 strong and, and everyone counts. Everyone matters. Everyone has a voice that is not unwielding. And uh, I think that, we have a, a spectacular management team full of people that are also empathetic and care a lot about their teams and advocate for voices that may not be heard and uh, and AMC has been a culture that has not only allowed it but has fostered it and encouraged it we have a number of ergs at the company and i'm very proud to say almost 50% of the company participates in them. So that's, that's the kind of, you know, it's a company that listens to its employee base and cares what it has to say and adapts its policies based on what they say. So I, I, I think part of it is, I think what we bring as individual managers to the table. And then another part is empowering your teams to have voice and then being receptive to what they're saying. So that's, that's been, I, you know, I've said this before, but I just share with you, Alexis, like the the last three years of managing have been harder than the 26 before them.
0: <laughs> I don't think any, I don't think there's a single person out there who would disagree with that. You know, we all have a bag of tricks that we are used to reaching into
1: and things just work and that's stopped that just stopped. And, and again, another theme off the shelf management style no longer is effective. And some people are open to changing other people, not, I personally have found it to be incredibly fulfilling and it has made me a better person working with, working with these teams and figuring this out together over the last few years.
0: It is so refreshing to hear this perspective. I hope that this can inspire the growth of other groups in television and the entertainment industry. Where I do think that this the last the last couple of years have given the opportunity for a reset of sort of certain types of um, actions and behaviors. And I think that this is just this seems like such an amazing, wonderful approach to move forward for the success of the individual, but also the team and the company. Well,
1: I appreciate that. Still more work to do
0: forever, but but fully committed to it. <laughs> so you referenced coming up with the, the Anne Rice Library, but are there any other new shows, projects, partnerships that you can talk about that you're excited?
1: I got to be honest, and maybe it's because I've only been in television proper for three years. Every day I I learn something new and it makes me more excited about the future. I personally love this time the industry is going through. I think that we're making, it it may be micro someday, but we're moving forward a little bit every day and the opportunities to unlock the the power of television and linear television. I'm not just talking about CTV. I'm not just talking about digital. I'm talking about the opportunities and the advancement we have made in unlocking and opening up the power of linear. It, It has me truly excited, which may sound very nerdy, but I really, every day we swat on that and we talk about what ifs and then we then we operationalize it and we try to figure out, okay, how do we make what if so? And I I just feel so much opportunity ahead of us. I also feel like the collaboration that at least we have felt over the last couple of years in the advent of the additional platforms and the growth of CTV makes me feel bullish about what this industry can do in a collaborative way to super serve the viewer and and really just create that next teal-backed world of of where we're going. How do we make television better and better and better for the viewer? And you know if that's not a good closing mantra, I don't know what is, but I feel I feel fully, fully committed to that. <laughs>
0: Based on all of this and based on what you've seen and what you experience yourself as a viewer, as an executive, what are the things in the industry that we're going to see five years from now? Who are the key players? Where are viewers watching? Are there ads? Look into your magic eight ball now with with the excitement and passion that you have today. And what do you see in the future for television?
1: I can't believe I'm going to say this. The first thing that comes to mind is more consolidation, if that's even possible. I do, I see more and not just at the the whale level. I see it across the industry. I also see the media companies buying more and more ad tech because they're gonna wanna run their own engine, wanna clean their own engine (laughs) and they're gonna want that innovation that often comes out of the ad tech side of the business and the kind of, you know, technology slash creative people on that side of the business. They're going to want more of those in their company. I, so I see continued consolidation and, and subsequent innovation and growth from that consolidation. And then what I just said, I see, I see the forces moving around, unlocking the power of linear in new and innovative ways. And that is, that is a force to be reckoned
0: with. And I'm, I'm very bullish about that. We will hold you to these predictions and we will <laughs> revisit them moving forward. This was, this was such an amazing conversation. It is so exciting to, to hear about what you are building, what you have built and the tone that you're setting for both your industry and uh, your organization. And it's really remarkable. Kim, thank you so much. It was
1: such a pleasure to talk to you, Alexis. Thank you for having me, and thank you for this great conversation.
0: Thanks for listening to Spotless. To hear more from our guests, find us in the Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast stores. Tune in next week for more from the boldest voices across creative technology and television. I'm your host, Alexis Ruff. I love TV, and I hate camping.